Song of Solomon, chapter 1. I'll meet you there in a moment. The series is First Comes Love, Then Comes Marriage. We're talking all things relationships. Singleness, dating, marriage, intimacy, all the goods. But listen to me. Above all these things, if you do not possess a relationship with Jesus, nothing else matters. None of this will be of any benefit. None of this will be of any value to you if you don't have your vertical relationship tacked down, your horizontal relationships will always be lacking. So if any of you here tonight do not have an established relationship with Jesus Christ, if you do not know that He is your Lord and Savior, if you do not have the hope of heaven, if you don't know what it means to experience His love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness, please don't leave this place tonight without us getting that relationship figured out. Then we can worry about the rest of it. The first priority is your relationship with Christ. And outside of that, we're talking all things relationship as it pertains to dating and marriage and what God's plans and concepts and designs are behind that. And We launched into this thing last week speaking to singleness, talking about the gift of singleness and how not everyone is going to end up married, and that's okay. God still has a specific plan in that. God still has a calling to that life just as he has a calling to a married life. But I understand that only a small percentage of you in here will actually live a single lifestyle. Most of you want to get married. Most of you have that desire. And most of you are actively pursuing the fulfillment of that desire. You're looking for someone that you can spend the rest of your life with. I just need you to understand that there's a right way to do that. And there is a wrong way to do that. Worldwide, it is estimated that at any given moment, there are between two to 8,000 dating sites or apps in circulation. There's a big discrepancy in that number because some phase in and some phase out, but statistics tell us that at any given moment, there exists between two to 8,000 sites dedicated to finding someone. Right now, there are around 120 million singles in the United States. That's about half of our population. So good news, if you're single in here tonight and you're looking for someone to spend the rest of your life with, there's a pretty good chance you're going to bump into somebody in the single realm. It's estimated that over 45% of those singles are using online dating in some form. Let's get a little more specific with that stat. 53% of 18 to 24-year-olds are using some form of dating site or app. So staying with the single status a little bit again this week, that leads us to tonight's message, Song of Solomon chapter 1, starting in verse 2. God's word says this, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Some of y'all are about to be introduced to some stuff in God's Word over the next few weeks that you had no idea existed in there like that. For your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. Therefore, virgins love you. Draw me after you. Let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. 
We will exult and rejoice in you. We will extol your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. I am very dark, but lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon. Do not gaze at me because I am dark, because the sun has looked upon me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. Tell me, you whom my soul loves, where you pasture your flock, where you make it lie down at noon. For why should I be like one who veils herself beside the flocks of your companions? Some of y'all are just like, what in the world? Did we just read? We're going to get to all that here in just a moment. I want to talk about being single and searching tonight. It's obvious, based off the numbers that I just gave you, that people are searching for relationships. Many of you in this room tonight are searching for relationships. And what you need to be asking yourself is, what kind of person should I be looking for? And how do I go about carrying out that process? And this is where God's Word becomes so vital for our instruction during our search. Listen to me, because I, I, I need you to hear this. You need to be serious in your search. And I say that because I think so many of us view dating or relationships kind of as a game or something that's fun, an extracurricular activity, and it is fun and all those things, but there should be an intentionality behind who you're spending your time with. There should be a seriousness behind your search. Why? Because there is to be an end game to this. There is to be an intentionality behind why we enter into relationships. So be serious in your search because it is absolutely possible for you to choose, date, and marry the wrong person. It's a 100% possibility. And I don't say that to scare you. I say that to caution you. To take this search with all seriousness. Because I don't think any one of us would readily admit that I want to spend the rest of my life with somebody that I don't need to spend the rest of my life with. But if you don't go about this the right way, if you do not handle this with care, that can become a very real possibility in your life. So if you're single and searching, or even if you're currently in a relationship right now, there are some things that you need to see. And God gives us a great example to look at in Song of Solomon. So if you're not familiar with this book, which I would imagine most of you probably aren't, let me just give you the, the overview. This book gives us a snapshot into the attraction, the relationship, and the marriage of a man and a woman. This is essentially God producing and giving us his own Hallmark movie, so to speak. God puts this all together so we can see how all this is supposed to work and the context and the design in which it is supposed to operate. And from the beginning, it shows us how they became interested in each other. Now, keep in mind that at our point of entrance into this love story, this couple, they're not dating just yet. They haven't entered into that part of the relationship. So what we're going to see tonight lays the framework for what we should consider before ever even entering in to a relationship with somebody. We're going to call these things attributes of attraction. And the first one is quite simply and quite obviously physical attraction. Let's talk about physical attraction just for a moment. If we go back to the text, 
I'm going to walk you through this a little bit so it doesn't sound so weird to you. We're introduced to the woman. And I want you to take in what she says once again. In verse 2 and verse 3, she says, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. For your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. So what we see right out of the gates is that this woman is quite obviously very attracted to Solomon. Now, I say Solomon because we know Solomon to be the writer of this book. And what he has done is he has recorded the attraction, dating relationship, marriage, even the honeymoon night of him and his bride. Now, I know some of y'all might already be getting weirded out just a little bit, like, hold on a second. Now, we got honeymoon stuff in the Bible like, yeah, let me just go ahead and prepare you. Like, the Bible does not cut any corners on this. We, you won't get to see everything about their relationship together. So you might as well go ahead, whatever you need to do to prepare yourself for the awkwardness, if you can't handle it or whatever. Like, the next few weeks, it's going to be a little bit of, whoo. We see that this woman is obviously very attracted to Solomon. She's feeling like those intoxicating effects of being in love and desiring someone. Y'all know how it is. Like when you first see somebody and you're just like, woo-wee. That's how she's feeling right now. And she's kind of just love drunk on this cloud of like Solomon's just come strolling by. And she's already like, it's like love at first sight for her already. And she's just like, oh, my goodness. Oh, man, this man, woo, my goodness, boy. Where are you going? Like. Slow down, let's talk for a second or something. Like, you know how it is when you first become attracted to somebody, you just kind of infatuate you, you get on that love cloud, and you kind of forget, like, the world exists. It might be raining outside, but it's sunshining in your heart. Like, you have found the one whom your soul loves. Like, she is, she's, she's attracted to him, and she says, she says some weird stuff. Like, you got to understand, like, obviously, <laughs> it's funny because our, our dating lingo now is vastly different than back then. She says, uh, your anointing oils are fragrant. It was popular in those times for a man to rub oils on his body for attractiveness and appeal, considered their version of cologne or aftershave or whatever. And, and this woman, she, man, she's taken in by it. She's like, Solomon walks by and, and he's smelling good and she's about it. So let me pro tip for you guys. Don't be stinking. I mean, you want a little bit of help of, of finding, of attracting a lady, don't stink. Like, this woman obviously shows us a biblical truth that ladies don't like guys that just be stinking. So it's fine to have, like, a manly, you know, mutt. Like, we want to see a guy that works, right, ladies? Like, we want to see a masculine man, but we don't want to be stinking all the time. Like, take a shower, put on some deodorant and stuff like that. Like, so Solomon comes walking by. He's coated with some essential oils or something. I don't know. Maybe it was lavender or peppermint. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know that they had old spice back then, so maybe he had on some goat spice or something like that. I don't know. Whatever it is, he's smelling good, and she gets fired up about it. She's like, whoo, we, what is that? Where did he get that from? Like, what store in Jerusalem can I go to to buy whatever he's got? Because I want to get him some more of it because I'm about that. She's physically attracted to him. Then down in verse 5, she begins to describe her own physical attributes. And this is where maybe it gets a little bit weird for you. Like, I don't really, what in the world is going on? She says, I am very dark, but lovely. 
O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon. I don't want you to get bogged down in the details that you don't necessarily need to know. The tents of Kedar were basically, the people of Kedar were a nomadic people, and so they moved around a lot, and they were known for making their temporary dwellings or tent out of black goatskin hair. And so they were dark-colored tents. So there's just the weird reference that she alludes herself to having dark skin, just like these tents. And so this, this woman, she spent the majority of her life working outside in the sun, and she's gotten herself a nice tan. Now, this wasn't always considered to be attractive in those times. Like, I know nowadays we kind of put a premium on having the dark skin and Spring's coming around, summer's coming around, like some of y'all are already making preparations, like I ain't showing my pale skin to nobody, so I need to go ahead and get in the tent. This is not God's word, ladies, encouraging to go run and jump in the tanning bed, as if tans are required to attract a lover, because that's not the case, and that wasn't the case back then. As a matter of fact, most of the men back then went for more of the fair, more of the pale skin type ladies, and so actually this could have been a very, very self-conscious thing for her. Because she wouldn't have looked like everybody else around her. And so this could have been a very short. She says, I'm, I'm dark, but I'm lovely. So you can tell, like, there's an inner struggle there. Like, she kind of struggles with the fact that she's not as fair-skinned as everybody else around her. And now, let me, let me encourage you ladies just for a moment about something. Not everybody is attracted to the same thing. And I know... For some of you ladies in this room, some of you maybe have struggled very mightily and very deeply in places that you never admitted to somebody with what you feel like is a lower level of attractiveness compared to other girls that you look around and compare yourself to. This girl looked around at all the other ladies and said, there's no way I'm, ne- I'm not nearly as pretty as they are. Well, let me encourage you with something. Solomon didn't find that to be true. Out of all these other women, all these other fair-skinned ladies, all these other pretty women that were walking around, this girl's going to catch his eye. So don't you girls get discouraged thinking that there's not somebody out there that's going to find you attractive just as you are. Because there are those out there that will, and Solomon does with her. So she describes kind of where she's at, and, and, and Solomon loves that he's got a strong physical attraction to her as well. She's caught his eye. He likes what he sees. He's about it. And listen to me. It's important to be attracted to the person that you're considering entering into a relationship with. And looks play a part of that. Physical attraction should not be downplayed. And I'm going to tell you why. Because physical attraction is the initial spark required to ignite a flame. And sometimes, I think, within the church culture, we so severely downplay physical looks and physical attraction for the next thing that I'm going to show you here in a moment that we almost act as if it holds no importance in a relationship. But it does. You have to be attracted physically to the person that you are going to enter into a relationship with, that you're going to look to see if maybe I will spend the rest of my life with this person. Let no one, if asked, what initially drew you to the person that you're with is going to say, well, if I'm being honest, it was their overwhelming unattractiveness. I mean, they were, they were so unattractive, it was attracting. Like, I, I walked in a room, and I was like, that's ugly right there. 
I got to have that. (laughs) Nobody's going to say that. Why? Because it doesn't work that way. That's utterly ridiculous. So before an exclusive relationship is entered into, there should be and there has to be and there must be physical attraction. You got to like what you're looking at. But there should also be character assessment. If we go back into the text in verse 3 and verse 4, it goes on and, and we find her saying of Solomon that your name is oil poured out. Therefore, virgins love you. Draw me after you. Let us run. The king has brought me into his chamber. So this woman says of Solomon that your name is oil poured out. In the Hebrew, in the original language that this was written in, it would have sounded like this. Your name is like the purest oil. So in those times, when they would gather olives and they would take them to the olive press, the very first amounts of oil that would come out of those olives would be considered the purest. That would be considered just the absolute best. And so they would take that oil and they would pour it out on the sacrifices that were brought into the temple and offered to God. And so for her to say this as an allusion to Solomon and his name, what she is saying is that, yes, you are physically attractive. Yes, I'm absolutely 100% digging the bod. But your name, your character is your finest quality. That's what the term name is a reflection of here. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1, God's Word tells us this, that a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. And favor is better than silver or gold. So for her, man, it's his character, it's his integrity, it's his responsibility as a man that is sending her into love of him. She sees in him an ability to remain controlled and committed, to provide and to protect, to lead and to love. Listen, ladies, this is not the kind of man that you want to find in your life. Somebody that you can look at, and you don't have to question whether or not he's going to be able to control himself physically. You don't have to question whether or not he is going to be committed solely unto you. You don't have to question whether or not whether he's going to be willing to provide for you and protect you from any and all dangers. You're not going to want to question whether or not he's able to lead you and your household well, to love you unconditionally at all times. It's not the kind of man that you want to find. Yes, he's attractive. Yes, he's got the looks. But this woman says above all that, man, it's this man's character. It's his integrity. It's his ability to lead a nation. It's his ability to care for all people. It's his ability to, 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 to show me that he's committed solely unto me. Man, ladies, Assess within the the guys that you're looking at this kind of character, and you won't be let down. And I'll add this to it just as a help. A man of godly character will exhibit godly character. Now listen, listen. And you won't have to wait long to experience it. You won't have to look hard to see it. And you won't have to dig to uncover it. It will permeate out of him. He will treat you like you deserve to be treated. Let, let, me, let me add this on kind of as a sidebar, just a, uh, something to consider. If you find yourself 
wishing to see certain qualities within the person that you're with right now, maybe perhaps they just don't exist. Because it's not going to take long for these things to emit forth from him. If he is walking with God, you will be able to tell that God is walking with him. It'll come out in his life. You won't have to question. So no wonder she says in verse 4, draw me after you. She's saying, Woo, pursue me. Pursuit, come after me. Let us run together. I wish you would take notice of me. And, and by the way, another side note here, guys. She says, draw me after you. In other words, she wants this man to pursue her. Another pro tip. You go get her. Stop being a sissy. Man up. Ask her out on a date. Ask her to go somewhere. Get some guts about you. Make a phone call, make a text, whatever. You pursue after her. She says, so come after me, Solomon. Draw me after you. Let us run. He's got the looks. He's got the character. He's got the integrity. He loves the Lord, and he walks in his ways. And there's something else worth pointing out right here, too. It's her girlfriends. So if you go back into the text, you look. Your Bible might have it outlined in a couple of different ways. As headings, you might see she. It always refers to when she is talking. You might see others, and then you're going to see he, which would be Solomon when he's speaking. So these, this others, it's like her group of girlfriends. Because you chicks don't travel solo anywhere you go. There's always got to be a pack of them. Her girlfriends speak. So they're keeping an eye on everything that's going on, like good girlfriends do, right? They are, you're always going to be up in each other's business, knowing who's dating who, who's going where. And so her girlfriends speak. And listen to what they say. They say, we will exult and rejoice in you. We will extol your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. So her girlfriends, they're excited for her. They are in full agreement that this is a good thing. You and Solomon, absolutely. That You go for it, girl. Like Do whatever you can to get that locked down because this is a good thing. Now, I'm going to give you a hot take. There is something to be said about the advice that godly friends who are walking in the Spirit have to give about your relationships. Let me say it one more time. There is something to be said about the advice that godly friends who are walking in the Spirit have to give on your relationships. These girls are not envious. They are not jealous of the fact that she's found love with a good-looking man. They're not doing anything to sabotage that. They're not speaking lies or spreading rumors. They see a good thing, and they are applauding it. They're saying, ooh, girl, you done found you a good-looking man of God full of character and integrity. You go after him. This is a good, good thing. So let me tell you, ladies, before y'all get upset and before y'all get mad and before y'all have friendships ruined over the stuff, if some of y'all are in relationships and godly girlfriends are giving you advice that says, we're not too sure that this is the best thing for you, don't get upset, don't get mad, don't get upset. Maybe just consider the fact that they may see something that you don't. 
How many of you know that in your search for love, you can find yourself in desperate places sometimes? Your friends can spare you some heartache if you'll heed godly advice from them. At the same time, ladies, when you see a good thing, you call it a good thing. Don't you be jealous. Don't you be envious that she's got something that you haven't yet found. You applaud it. You be excited with her, and you be excited for her. She's found a good thing, and her friends are all about it. So we see that this is a man of godly character. And then we get a picture of her character in verse 6. So if we go down to verse 6, she says, Do not gaze at me because I'm dark, because the sun is looked upon me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. I want you to notice something, and it's the fact that priority isn't being placed upon physical looks. Looks are important, but they're not imperative. Why? Because, quite simply put, looks don't last. 15 to 20 years from now, looks are going to be gone. But character lasts a lifetime. Well, trust me when I say this. 15 to 20 years from now, girls, you might have found what was once a good-looking man. You might have found what was once a man who took care of his body a little bit, who went to the gym every now and then, but you're going to look out in the yard one day, he's going to be cutting in the grass, he ain't going to have his shirt on, and he's going to be like, when did we get a polar bear? Like, what is that big old white furry thing out there? Like, looks ain't always going to last. Listen to me, fellas, in the same way. You're going to find you a lady 15 to 20 years from now, she's going to have blessed your house with two to three kids. She's not going to look like she did after that happens. Things are going to change. Our bodies change. Physically, we don't always look as put together as we once did. Trust me, I, 10 years ago when I was up here giving this message, to a group of young adults, I didn't look anything near as big as I look right now. Trust me, it's just an accepted reality. It's going to happen. You can fight it as much as you want to, but you will never control the fact that metabolisms stop. You can go to the gym as much as you want to. You can intermittently fast as much as you want to, but it ain't going to matter. It's just an accepted part of reality. And I don't mean you can't still take care of your body, but your body's going to fight you the whole time you're doing it. Looks ain't going to last. But character is. So where the world, listen, it's so important. Where the world focuses on finding the right one, Scripture focuses on becoming the right one. Now, why is this important? Because one day when you've got a home, one day when you've got bills to pay, one day when you've got kids to raise and take care of, the man or the woman that you're going to want with you in the midst of those things is a man or woman of great character. And that's what we see with this man, and that's what we see with this woman. So I want to describe to you her character a little bit because I know the wording's a little strange. And so we go back and look at what she says. She says that my mother's son's, were angry with me. So they made me keep the vineyard. 
What we are given a glimpse of is that for whatever reason, we don't know the details of exactly why, but apparently within her house, the father's absent. Her brothers are still there. And so with an absent father, the authority of the house would have fallen upon them. And for whatever reason, they got mad at their sister. I don't know the details of it. How many of your brothers in here? How many of you brothers ever got mad at your sister before? Every single one of us. We've all had fights with our sister. We've all had sisters that, that if we would have had a vineyard, we'd just say, go out there and work. All right, get out of my room. Leave me alone. Like, for whatever reason, her brothers have gotten upset, and they have banished their sister to go work in the vineyard. But there's some importance to this because it reveals her character. She goes and works. So you know what that tells me? That tells me that she submits to authority. Proverbs 21, 19 says that it is better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. Y'all didn't even know the Bible would be speaking that hard, did you? This woman submits to authority. Now, there's a few things here. Number one, ladies, don't let the world hijack the definition of submission. Don't let the word hijack the meaning of it. Submission unto authority is God's perfect design for relational love. He set up the man to be the head and the lead of the house and for you to serve underneath his rule. Now, that does not mean that you are inferior because the Bible also tells us that what? He created man and woman equally in his image. So submission is not an inferior thing. It is an honoring thing. And so this woman understands that her brothers are the authority of the house. They tell her to go work the venue, the, the venue, the vineyard. The venue is going to come later. The vineyard, and she goes. She submits to authority. And, and Solomon, who wrote Proverbs later, I'm going to read this verse again, writes, it is better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. Men, heed his advice. When you are looking for a woman to spend the rest of your life with, you need to find a girl who is already shown by her character that she is willing to submit to authority. You want a miserable life, you want a miserable home, you want a miserable marriage, then find you a girl that does not do this. And let me tell you how you can tell. If you look at her life and she does not obey her parents, she lives in a rebellious way, she doesn't answer to any authority in her life, she doesn't listen to her bosses or the people that are over her at her job or whatever, if she don't answer to any of those authorities, she's not going to answer to you either. And Solomon says, better to go live in a desert than to be trapped in the house with this kind of woman. She will make your life stone-cold misery. So it's important. It's important that this woman have this kind of character. Now, I'm talking to the guys, ladies, but you might want to be writing down some notes because if you want to attract a godly man, he wants to see this in your character. She submits to authority. She's responsible. So she goes out and she works. She takes care of the vineyard grows. She's a hard worker. She, she's daily, we get the picture that she's daily out there taking care of these responsibilities. She's a hard worker. And I'm, I'll tell you all, like, there, there is nothing more attractive than a responsible, hardworking woman. Now, I can speak to this from experience because I have one. I have a woman I've been married to for 10 years that carries such responsibility and that busts her butt day in and day out to take care 
of our family. As a matter of fact, when I first got into this, there was a two-year time span. God called me into the ministry. I told her this is what we need to do. She's like, okay. She never questioned it once. She encouraged me, and she supported me in it all the way through. And for two years, I didn't make a dime. Who do you think brought the bread home? She did. Why? Because she is a woman of godly character. She is responsible. She's hardworking. I'm getting a little tore up about it right now just thinking about it. Like, you guys, you want to find you a good-looking, attractive woman? Responsible, hardworking, submissive. That's what she is. But, but we had another one. She's focused on serving the Lord. And I'm going to highlight this in the text. that She says, I've kept this vineyard, but my own vineyard I have not kept. Now, what is she referring to? She's talking about her own body. So, so dedicated to fulfilling her responsibilities and honoring the Lord with the work that has been set before her. She has sacrificed and neglected even her own body to make sure that she serves well. In Proverbs 31, 30, it says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Guys, this is the kind of woman you need to be looking for. This woman has forsaken all of the things to make sure that she serves well. Man, physical attraction, absolutely. But give me godly character more so than anything. Man, this is the kind of woman you should find desirable. That you want caring for your home. Ladies, you need to be searching for a man of godly character. One who is going to lead you well. And let me tell you guys, you won't have any issue whatsoever with having a wife that willingly submits to your leadership if she knows you are leading her towards Christ. It will never be an issue whatsoever. She will encourage you. She will support you. She will stand by you. She will fight for you and with you day in and day out if she sees you leading her and her family towards a deeper intimacy with Christ. So ladies, be searching for that kind of man. Looks initiate attraction. But what this has shown us is that character develops affection. This is where you discover the things that cause you to fall in love with somebody. When me and Ashley first ever started dating, if you want to call it that, which actually goes all the way back to her being in seventh grade and me being in eighth, long time with this girl, there was attraction there. But what solidified our love relationship was the character that I saw God developing in her. Looks initiate attraction. Character develops affection. That begins to ground your love for one another. And listen, you want to know what continues to grow love? That increasing character that's ever more inclined to become more like God. The more life experience that we share with one another, the more I see her character shine forth and wanting to honor God, the deeper in love it causes me to become with her. That's why you follow God's design for this stuff. Now, if you want to experience it in its fullness, this is how. Well, the person that you'd be looking for, you need to have a character assessment lined out of the person that you're Before you ever even get in that relationship, you ought to be checking these things off the list. One more attribute. You need a profile acquirement. 
verse 7, she continues to speak, and she's speaking to Solomon. She says, tell me, you whom my soul loves, where you pasture your flock, where you make it lie down at noon. For why should I be like one who veils herself beside the flocks of your companions? This woman has gained a profile of the type of man that she wants to marry. And now that she has found someone who fits the description, she wants to meet him. Tell me where you pasture your flocks. She's creeping on his schedule a little bit. She's watching from a distance. She's stalking his social media, if you will, or whatever. She's trying to figure out what his class schedule looks like when he may be on certain parts of campus or whatever, when he goes to the gym or whatever. So you just happen to have a chance meeting, right? Oh, fancy meeting you here. Like, I didn't know you are going to be here. How weird. Like, she wants to meet him. She found somebody that, that meets the profile, the description that she's looking for in a man. She's like, I want to meet him. So where, do you, where, you, where are you going to be at? Where are you going to put your sheep down at? Like, I want, to, I want to just happen to be there. When you get there, she wants to be in his presence. She wants for him to take notice of her. Now, ladies, I know y'all be doing some crazy stuff sometimes to get him to notice. Don't be looking at me all holy and sanctified like you don't sit in your room at night and plan out some weird stuff to try and get him to pay attention to you. You ain't never tripped on the stairs in your life but just because he came walking by and you knew it might cause him to notice you and he might be a gentleman and walk over there and help you up, you just happened to miss that step once. I know how it is, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. This woman actually encourages, do whatever you need to do to, to draw his gaze, to, to bring his attention to you. Just do it in a God-honoring way. But listen, this is where it gets important. Oh, man, so important, so important. She lets him know real quick that she is not going to compromise who she is to be with him. Or compromise on the type of man that she is looking for as a husband. Now listen, I know how it is when you see him and he's everything you ever dreamt that he would be. He's got the looks by all accounts, from the outside looking in thus far, he seems to exemplify the character. But this woman says, I've got a rock-solid profile of who it is that I'm looking for to spend my life with, and I will not for one moment compromise that. She lets him know real quick, the moment that I find out or the moment that I sense or the moment that I see you're going to cause me to drift to a place that I don't want to go to, I'm going to leave you high and dry like it was never even a thing. It will be nothing but a distant memory in my mind because that's how set she is on first and foremost honoring God herself. Now, ladies, man, I, I take this so seriously for y'all. I can't feel this on the level that you do, but I do feel like God has given me some spiritual insight to it. 
So many of y'all, I think, even already bear the scars of a compromise. That was never what God intended. And that is not what he designed for you to experience within the context of a relationship. But because the desire in y'all's heart for affection is so deep and so strong, you did something at one time that you now wish you wouldn't have because you thought it's all you could do to hang on to something that you had found that you thought maybe you'd never experience again. Do not compromise ever again who it is that God has set you apart to be as a young woman of God. This woman takes this so seriously. And I know that because she says, why should I be like one who veils herself? She's making a reference to the other women that are going to be at the pasture that day, which would be the town prostitutes. And she says, hey, Solomon, I know I ain't going to be the only woman there that day. I know the kind of company that hangs around the pastures at noon because they know y'all go out there to water your flocks and they're looking for a good time. I ain't one of them women. And you better not expect that out of my character. And so she puts a stake in the ground. So listen to me, ladies and guys. Don't compromise and don't settle. Relationships within the context in which God designed it to be, when, it, when it's working as it should, it feels like it flows, not like it's forced. And so she says, she says, I, I, I want to tell me where, tell me where you're going to be at, because I want, I want to meet you, and that's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with you, girls. That's not you pursuing. He'll pursue. You just got to get him to notice sometimes. Why? Because he's dumb, and we're slow to catch on, and we're ignorant. My wife actually pulled this tactic. She came to every basketball game I played in. She was also a cheerleader, but. At least that's the story she told. I know the real reason why she cheered was because I played ball and she wanted to be at the game. So she just wanted to be where I was at. I get it, babe. I know. Like, it's, it worked. I noticed. Here we are. So that's fine. But listen to me. Listen. Get you, get you a profile. Set you a profile of who you're looking for and what you want that person to be. But be careful about placing unrealistic expectations on your profile. Imperfect people cannot demand perfection. You're never going to find it. There's always going to be flaws, but the good should outweigh the bad. All in all, if you focus on becoming the type of person that you would want to marry, it will help you gain a profile of the kind of person that you should be looking for. Profile of them. So as you are out in your searchings, physical attraction, by all means, Find you someone to pursue <laughs> that you're physically attracted to. Step number one. Number two, character. You have got to start evaluating the character of the person that you think you might want to pursue. And if at any point in time that person ceases to fit the profile that you feel like God has given you for the man or the woman that you're going to spend the rest of your life with, do not compromise, do not settle. Keep on moving down the road. God's got another one that he wants you to meet.